The question is this. How are bikini pros of the IFBB, like us, who train, diet, manage a family, kids, full-time job, relationships, trying to succeed in our fitness journey, make it through the day, get it all done, master the stage, and still walk away humble and healthier than when we started? Finding ways to inspire others everywhere we go. That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Cheryl Spangler, and welcome to Pro Bikini Insider, Secrets of the Fit Life. Hey, people on Saturday night. Everyone's probably out having an amazing time. Well, my name is Cheryl Spangler, and I committed to doing some type of health and fitness uh, Facebook Live every evening at 8 o'clock. And um, the other day, I talked about diabetes and that I was going to try to get my brother on live to talk a little bit about his. But uh, first, I wanted to mention I'm, I'm doing this uh, health and fitness kind of real talk about real issues every day at 8 o'clock for like seven days. I am going to uh, I'm buying for the cover of Health and Fitness, uh, Muscle and Fitness Magazine, Muscle and Fitness Hers Magazine. And I am asking everyone to vote for me. But in the meantime, I really wanted to talk about things like that would help you get to know who I am. If I'm going to be on the cover of this magazine, if I'm going to want people to vote for me, I'm going to want you to know a little bit more about me, my family, like who I am, like what I deal with. And although I do not have diabetes and I know when members of my family are diagnosed or have been, I wish that I could take it because I don't want anyone else to have it. I don't, you know, if it's type one. Um, so anyway, just a little history of why we're having this conversation is because I think that there's a lot to learn. And by sharing the experiences that we're going through, then, you know, especially with diabetes and what you learn along the way, it can help people not just reading on the internet or, to talking to doctors. So um, a little history of diabetes in our family. We've had uncles that have been, had their legs amputated. We have had a sister who passed away in 1996 from diabetes, mainly because she didn't control it, didn't really want to, she didn't accept that she had it. She didn't, I don't think she really, it's not that she didn't know how, I mean, but she just was not proactive in managing it and it got away from her and you know she you know if you don't take she was taking the shots she got it at 17 and we've had um, people with kidney replacements in the family lost eyesight a lot of trouble healing wounds um, that's the biggest thing you know with the diabetic world is that you really have a hard time healing any wounds that you get it's something that people don't realize and so we've had a lot and on my dad's side it's prevalent so we're kind of dis predisposed to it well one thing we didn't realize is that if you are predisposed to the disease then you could actually get type 1 diabetes up until age 40 which we didn't realize and we're told that whether true or not like we were told that by the doctors when my brother was diagnosed at age 39 and it was like we thought we were over that you know after about 18 19 or 20 years old you're like okay i didn't get juvenile now I just got to keep my weight managed, but no, you actually still can get it. So, hey, Phil Wadlin, thank you for joining. Um, 
say hi and ask any questions along the way. And uh, when people see this, if you're watching the replay, give me some hearts, give me some love. Please take the link also and vote for me as far as the front cover of Muscle Fitness First magazine. But I did get my brother to come to my house and talk to us and answer five questions. So it's going to be five questions in not really five minutes, but as fast as we can get information out to you guys. And I put the questions in here and Jason, come over. So um, Jason does not have a Facebook account, by the way. He is a <laughs> proponent of being social, not being on social. <laughs> so thank you for coming. I love you. <laughs> Okay, so I kind of put together five questions that I wanted to ask. And um, the first one is, uh, Jason is an adjuster with Geico and uh, frequently he gets sent to do like emergency disaster recovery. And so between all the travel and like really long hours because they have been doing as many adjusting jobs in a 24 hour period as possible, you know, the entire time that he's there, um, and I, the, the first question is just traveling and long hours. How did you maintain and manage your diabetes while you were doing like the, the Texas flooding disaster recovery? You know, that, that is a challenge. And during that time, while I was on the road, um, you want to get out early in the morning, you want to be there all day. You're going to be eating in restaurants that are, you know, less than healthy for you, normally fast food or something like that. It is a real challenge to manage your uh, your numbers, you know, your A1C and your um, uh, just everything everything around it. You know, the carb counts uh, when you're getting fast food is is a real challenge because normally the carb counts are through the roof. Um, and I did struggle with that. You know, for I went out there for two weeks one year, went out there for a month another year, and another two weeks a, di a different year. Um, and through that time, I did run high, you know, and it's, uh, I took extra, you know, I, I, I wear an insulin pump, so that helps in the process. And I've taught myself how to count carbs and I do it, you know, on the fly while I'm looking at a menu so that even if the information is listed on a menu, it's not always accurate. Um, and you know that by if you were to eat something and the carb counts are listed on the website or whatever, but the reality is in your body, you have a completely different reaction to the number of carbs that are actually in that food. And that is something that is, that is not listed that I have found uh, through just interaction with uh, the, the world of food that's out there and my own body reaction to the carbs that I'm, that I'm taking in. So, so you yes. said there was an app that like has, correctly save your life as far as like counting, how, trying to figure out what, how much insulin even to tell your pump to give you. Absolutely. Um, there is an app out there and it basically, it, it has almost all of the restaurants that are out there listed. It has their every, everything on their menu and the carb counts and many different metrics for everything that's on their menu. And you can basically, you can make yourself a menu of items off of this, uh, this app. What's the name of the app? Yeah, I'll have to pull it up. Yes, hold it up. Meanwhile, Vince, thank you for joining. Jeff, Bob Bingham, uh, how do you keep the discipline? I just go so many months okay, then I fall off the wagon. So you're talking about like fitness and health. You know, I got a private message uh, from two people asking me that exact thing last night. 
um, you're not always going to be disciplined. <laughs> you're going to fall off. I mean, I think the biggest thing is, even especially for me, is just not giving ourselves such a hard time and trying to like love my body at every stage. And that includes when I gain weight. It's like sometimes we just do fall off. But I would say um, having a support team around you would be number number one. Like if you are around and your family's and your just speaking of in general, like eating healthy, if all of your family or your partner is not the same, I think it's really tough. And I will give my example, like my mom and dad, my mom and dad, have always kind of eaten the same. But then when my dad went vegan, it was tough. Like my mom just, you know, she's watching this. She's just, don't watch this mom. Um, she uh, would be like, well, what am I going to eat? <laughs> like, I like eating potatoes. Right. So, you know, where's the dessert? Where's, you know, well, where's I'm, the not, steak? I'm not making that anymore. <laughs> and I think that having the support. So I think that's, that's huge. And then go off, be okay with it, but then get back on. And sometimes for me, like setting goals, that's why competing has actually been good for me because I like to have that goal. Otherwise, it's like, well, what am I looking good for? Like, I know that happens all the time. And you say, like, what, well, what do I have? What, what, what am I working toward? Well, nothing. Just living longer. Anyway, um, anyway, question number two. Doctors never tell you. So... I feel like doctors hold back so much information, especially when you're first diagnosed, because they don't want to overwhelm you and scare you with what it's going to take to really manage it. And frankly, they don't probably all have diabetes, so they don't really know what it takes to manage it. And so I was just wondering, like, what, what do you think is one thing that you found out along the way after you were diagnosed after the hospital? And then for a while you were doing the shots and then you got the pump. Like, is there something that the doctors never told you that you found out that you we're like, by the way, wait, first, what's the app? What's it it's called? called? It's called Nutrition. It's called Fast Food Nutrition. And it, it looks like this, this little uh, French fry logo at the, it's at the top there. French fry logo. Oh, yeah. And it's just basically, it's a box of French fries and it says Nutrition. So go get that app. <laughs> um, but no, I was just thinking like, what's one thing that the doctors really didn't tell you that you found out along the way that you were like, <laughs> either they just didn't share it or it would have been nice to know. They don't talk about the level of management that you have to do for yourself. Like when your pancreas stops producing insulin, you have to produce the insulin through a, an injectable pen or through the insulin pump that I have. You have to manage that aspect of your body. So everything you eat, everything you do, you have to compensate for what your pancreas doesn't do. And they, they really don't, they don't give you the information to wrap your head around that concept. You really have to find that out on your own. And they say, you know, you need to do some research. You spend some time, you know, think about what, you, what it is and research the, the disease. But I don't, I don't think they really kind of bring that to the forefront because that is a heavy load to So are you that. saying that you, when do you tell the pump how much you need to be given? Like you said it at the beginning of every day? So there's, uh, there's two different types of injections that it's giving you. It's giving you constant injections at a small rate.
to kind of replicate what your pancreas would do all day long every day. And then every time you eat, you calculate the carbs that are in that meal and you tell the pump how much, how many carbs you're eating and the pump is um, programmed with a predetermined amount of effectiveness for that insulin that your body will take in and then it will, uh, it will inject that additional amount during a, a short period of time to compensate for the, the carbs that you're taking in. So what, what were you talking about then with the pen? Where you had to do additional injections? I, I didn't. <laughs> okay. That was when I first started. Okay. When, right. when I first started, I didn't have the pump. So oh, okay, I had, okay. I had the insulin pen, and it was just a pen filled with uh, Novolog insulin. And every meal, I would have to give myself that. But to compensate for, because the pump does both jobs. It actually had, I had had two different types of pens. One was Novolog, and then the other one was Lantus. Lantus was a long-term acting insulin, where I would have to give myself that twice a day and then take the uh, other pen injections at every meal. So there was a lot more involved in taking the pen injections. So when my sister passed, she was basically running off shots. Now, when you got it, you were, they said shots, but really it's a pen. So, I mean, like so many things have improved and the managing of her trying to figure out, okay, if I eat this, how much do I need to give myself? Oh, I'm really high. Oh, I'm really low. And it's like this constant, like, you're chasing the highs and lows and um, the thing that really manages the highs and lows is exercise. I, no amount of diet. Uh, you could literally be perfect in your diet. It's the exercise that really manages it because it forces your body to get into that rhythm to, to, it's just amazing. If, if I don't exercise for two or three weeks and I immediately start to recognize I'm having to take more insulin to compensate for the food that I'm eating. If I exercise on a regular regimen two to three times a week and it's, and it's uh, more geared towards cardio than actually heavy lifting, I very rarely have to take any extra insulin. It's just the normal dose amount that I would need to take for that food. It, exercise really is it. And I, I fall off the wagon. I mean, I'm not perfect, you know? It's just... You're <laughs> Um, okay, so um, if you guys have any questions, so scary. The dude looks great. I always <laughs> assumed diabetics were overweight. Now I am afraid I'm next. You are not next, Vince. Thanks, Joe, for making me more paranoid. I guess this interview is a wake-up call. I mean, the thing is, like, every day we walk around, if you're healthy, if you don't have diabetes, if you don't have all these problems, and it's like we struggle with exercise. But, I mean, like, if it is a life and death, you, you're gonna, this is why I'm so proud of you. Because it, it can be life and death and still you will turn a blind eye, you will stick your head in the sand and you will pretend you don't have it. And that's what my sister did. And yeah. the thing is like, and I don't know if it's cause you're older or just more mature or just you're like, I can't do this. I can't, I've gotta make it different. And, but you just, you did accept it like from day one. I actually thought you were in total denial for like a long time and maybe you were a little bit, maybe. I don't know, but you immediately researched, you immediately accepted it. This is who I am. This is what I have. Here's what I'm going to do. And, and that you was know, pretty amazing. interesting to me though. I looked back on, on Christy and the experience that she had. And I feel like if I had been diagnosed at 17 or 18, like she was, I think I probably would have taken her same path because I was a different person at 18. I mean, think about what you were doing at age 17 and 18. 
having some kind of disease that affects you without showing any outward, outward signs, that you would not manage it. You would not take that on. It just wouldn't happen, and you'd end up sick like everybody else. And keep in mind, what I said earlier, it, it, it sounded catastrophic and, and terrible, but really, if you teach yourself how to count carbs and get a pump, which helps you to manage it so much easier, I mean, that, that makes it easy to manage. You still have to actively manage it, but it's not catastrophic daily. It's something that you can do. Bronwyn, I did not know that you had type one. Why did I not know that? Um, Bronwyn is a competitor with D4 and she's, she's about to go pro and I didn't realize that. So my question for you, Bronwyn, do you, uh, Bronwyn is, uh, when do you take your pump? Do you have a pump? And if you have a pump, when do you take it off to get on stage? Anyway, while you're, while you're answering that, I'll read the answer. Um, I was going to ask, an, okay, so another question is, um, when you first were diagnosed, like, I know that looking back, we saw all these symptoms, I guess. Um, but my question is, how long do you think you had the symptoms before we actually, uh, before you actually went to the hospital? And like you were on vacation, actually, you were at like an exit realty convention in California with Melissa and, and mm -hmm. my mom and, and you were way off, but yeah, yeah, you did, did you feel way off? Oh yeah. I mean, even the, the few weeks before that, like I was, I was at a rifle range and I was sighting in my, uh, my rifle and I was having problems seeing the sight picture in the scope and I remember thinking, gosh, what is going on? Like, why, why am I having trouble focusing? Well, that's what was causing that, that the problem. I didn't realize until after that that was what the issue was. And that was about three months before I was actually diagnosed. So I think it was affecting me for probably five to six months. Or I, my pancreas had, had really stopped or was starting to shut down five to six months before I actually got the diagnosis. I would actually say a year and a half because there's like this weird thing when you're someone who doesn't have it, but you are close to someone who does have it. You start to notice all these personality changes and, and sometimes you just don't know, is that just them being rude? <laughs> I mean, totally serious. <laughs> because there were times like even a year before that I would say like, so when a diabetic is low blood sugar, I know this because I don't have it, but I have serious low blood sugar kind of thing and that is that I become like a biatch like I become mean and rude and it's like people are like well you must be hungry you need to go eat and it's like no I I actually think that that was happening a lot and it would be like a Jekyll and Hyde kind of personality and I know it happened with Christy like you know so anyway I think I think it's like this like ongoing process of where your pancreas is like just slowly slowly and then all of a sudden it's like bang yeah, I mean, and there was a honeymoon phase too, because even after I was diagnosed, my, my pancreas was still working marginally. So I was constantly having to adapt how much insulin I was giving myself because uh, it, it was compensating a little bit. And then now at this point, I'm, I'm fully managing it. And it is a challenge every day. I mean, it's, I, I won't uh, sugarcoat that. It is a challenge. And I have to actively be constantly counting carbs. But I taught myself how to kind of like on the fly count carbs and that helps, you know. Um, Scott Melanson, Tara Lynn, thanks for getting on. Keith Johnson. So Bronwyn, you didn't answer. Let me ask you something. Uh, when you're competing, do you, when do you take your pump off? 
and um, I'm glad you're on. So, uh, okay, so I'm going to ask a question that probably no one's ever asked you, but sex. Do you take your pump off during sex? Absolutely. <laughs> this yeah. is only something I can ask would, my brother. It would get in the way. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so, um, okay, we won't get, get to, that makes me want to ask like 10 more questions about that, but I'm going to let it go. Um, so my question is, so now you've had it for, how old are you right now? I was diagnosed at 37. I'm 41 now. So you're 41. And so what, what would you say is like one, two or three habits that you definitely do now, like religiously that make it easier? If that's possible. I mean, that just make it easier. I mean, well, I, I memorize the, the foods that, I mean, all of us kind of eat a certain number of foods all the time and we kind of get in habits to where we eat kind of similar meals all the time I just memorize how many carbs are in that type of meal and how much the serving size is so I can just input that information really quick in a pump and, and be done with it you know um, I always so check like my blood sugar at the same time and intervals every day when I'm you know changing the port out of the pump I, I have certain areas that I will um, use and I do it you know every three days in the morning or whatever so Bronwyn just before you go and say so my question is I don't remember this because when it happened it was still like even when it happened to you I just I don't know like you kept quiet about everything you didn't really talk about it and um and it's a miracle that you're talking about it right now live <laughs> but my question is how much did the pump cost and did you get that covered by your insurance my insurance covered a lot of it Thank God for good health insurance. And I have really good health insurance through the company that I work for. That pump was $700. And they cover all but $100 of it. And uh, they cover... Why was I thinking it was like thousands? Okay, so it was $700. Yeah. But it's not just the cost of the pump. It's the cost of the, the ports and, the, and the, the maintenance. I mean, I have a regular delivery every month and a half of... The ports and all the equipment that goes with it that has to be changed out every time you change it out and that stuff you know it's a hundred dollars every shipment so I mean there's there's a serious cost involved in in having the pump and and just the insulin itself you know it's my insurance covers a lot of it but it's still seventy dollars every three months where do you get that from let's like the insulin you... comes from the local CVS and I get it in liquid vials oh okay so the auto auto so Bronwyn you said that in Australia, the pumps are $6,000. Wow. Because, um, yeah, I do know people that have type 1 and who do not have a pump because they can't afford it. Um, the maintenance, the just all the little things that have to go in, and part of it is it is an expensive disease. I will say there's a lot of pieces to it. So, anyway. Um, any, any of you that have type 1? Uh, you understand what I'm talking about that you know it is you're managing you have to really be in tune with your body and understand how you feel and for anybody that has it I mean if you have accepted it and and you know use that as your baseline and move forward from there you are a better person for it because it is it is a challenge and just accepting that challenge and moving forward that's that's really the first step and and it is I have a client who 
just found out that their six-year-old was diagnosed with type one. So my question would be, what would you say to a child, you know, between the age of like seven and 17 to try to get them to accept it more, I guess, at the age from, I would say the age from five to 10, they're probably more accepting because they don't know life before that. Mm-hmm. You know, and then after maybe 13, it's more like trying to deny it because of what do kids want. The teenagers want chocolate, they want desserts and chocolate. And it's all about like, you know, I don't know, you're trying to get them to eat healthy, but they don't always do it. If they were really young, like three, four, five, six, you could easily integrate that into their life and they wouldn't have known anything different before that. If you're 13, 14, 15, that would be, I mean, practically impossible. We have friends that have kids in their their mid-teens that have been diagnosed with with type 1 and they're constantly running in like three, four, five hundred range and just out of this world. What they have done is they've got apps on their phones where they can manage through their, they've got special uh, pumps that they, that they use for their kids where the pump will communicate wirelessly to their parent's cell phone and their cell phone will tell them what their levels are. Oh my God. <laughs> so they can constantly call them on the phone and be like, hey, what's going on? <laughs> no, actually, if they would have had that, we could have solved a lot of problems a long time ago. Yeah. You know, because you're monitoring someone who may or may not be like totally con- conscious of everything going on with them. You know, because you get busy and then you forget and then all of a sudden you didn't take it if you were doing shots and then you, you know, get low. And then, that's easy for me to do. You know, I do the same thing. You know, I'm just more conscious of it uh, as an adult. So I, I, you know, check my blood sugar, give myself a correction if I need one, you know, and move forward. So, well, um, that's pretty much it. Unless you guys have any questions or concerns about, I would, I personally check my blood sugar every three months. And just because you, you don't have to be heavy, you don't have to be overweight and you could be totally physically fit and you can still get it period. So, um, I'm, I'm very, you know, aware and anyone who just joined, we're talking about diabetes type one or anyone who has it. And I'm, just having my brother get on and share a little bit of his experience getting it at age 39 type one, which is kind of like um, out of the ordinary because you, you always think as an adult, you're only going to get type two. And that's because you're either not eating healthy or eating too much fat or you're too fat. I mean, it's like, that's like the stigma, but you don't have to be overweight. And when you are, you should be more conscious of it. Um, anyway. You know. Something I just wanted to mention here. You know, the doctors did say this, but it wasn't until I did my own real research, uh, after the fact that I realized that it was not my fault that I contracted type one diabetes. There's a lot of theories that the doctors have been throwing around as to what actually causes it, but it was not me drinking too many sugared sodas. It, it happened as a result of, of a, you know, whatever's in my bloodline, whatever's in my genes makes me more susceptible to whatever had caused it. And it happened. And what would you say is like the most, the one thing you never want to hear from someone who loves you, who's possibly nagging at you about what you're eating. I mean, like, this is the hardest thing I think as like, as a sister or sibling or family member is that we sometimes come across, we don't say anything to you actually, because you would just pretty much blast us, but, <laughs> but you, you tend to want to say that you, you think you should be eating that or, or something, but really we're just care, you know, we just care. 
but um, I don't know. You do a lot, ton of biking, mountain biking, and you do stay really physically fit, and you're running around all the time with your job. You're doing a really good job managing it, so you better say something if anything comes up. <laughs> the, the thing that I absolutely detest is when somebody tells me what I can and cannot eat. Like, that just makes me want to eat that that much more. Like, that's, if, you, if anybody, I have a constant internal battle on what I can and cannot eat. I mean, it's literally constant. So for somebody outside of my own head telling me the same thing, it's almost like somebody just pouring a spike, uh, you know, hitting me with a metal spike. It's just, <laughs> literally, I mean, that's, that's the thing that'll irritate me the most. And that's what everybody wants to say because, well, you know, it's, you know, you had, a cookie and that's going to kill you it's not because you just give yourself a little bit more insulin and it covers the carbs but the people that don't have it don't understand that yeah because everything everyone thinks like the sugar causes it and then the sugar is going to hurt you once you have it which and the thing is your body requires sugar it's just you have to manage what your pancreas does not manage awesome Thank you. <laughs> okay, guys, thanks for joining those who just joined. Hey, I'm going to be doing a lot of these at night at eight o'clock and it's going to be a different topic and I'm going to have different people and talk about things that maybe I don't have, but I like to get the answers out of things that people really feel and what's going on. So if you have any topics that um, everyone knows someone who has something going on, they could share. If you have a topic that you want talked about, tell me. And give me some love, give me some hearts. Hey, Terry Lynn. And um, also, if you get a chance, vote for me because when I get on the cover of Muscle and Fitness Hers magazine, I get awarded $20,000. And when I get it, I'm going to just gift that money out to four people who want to start some kind of health and fitness business and I'm just going to give them the money. And maybe they wanted to start something and they just don't have the money. So, you know, that's what I'm going to do with it. So, um, I know you're going to help me get on the cover and when I do, it's going to be in November. And if you have a business idea for health and fitness that you've been struggling, finding money to, to launch, message me and you'll get it. Okay. Bye guys. And Hey, don't forget, connect with me on Instagram, Cheryl Spangler fit and say hi.